One of the instructions Yamuna Devi gave us uh, before leaving this world is she passed on this instruction that Srila Prabhupada gave to her that we should carefully study the songs of Naratam Das Thakur and Bhaktivinoda Thakur. So I thought it would be nice to begin every session of the book club with, with one song. Uh, I, I've chosen um, Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu, Doya uh, Kora More, which is a song that's um, sung every morning in Srita Mayapur. My dear Lord Chaitanya, please be merciful to me because who can be more merciful than your Lordship within these three worlds? Your incarnation is just to reclaim the condition fallen souls. But I assure you that you will not find a greater fallen soul than me. Therefore, my claim is first. My dear Lord Nityananda, you are always joyful in spiritual bliss. Since you always appear very happy, I have come to you because I am most unhappy. If you kindly put your glance over me, then I may also become happy. My dear Advaita Prabhu, husband of Sita, you are so kind. Please be merciful to me. If you are kind to me, naturally Lord Chaitanya Nityananda will also be kind to me. Gora's love embodiment is shown by Gadadhar Pandit. Srinivas Pandit and Haridas Thakur are the ocean of mercy. O Swarup Damodar, personal secretary of Lord Chaitanya, O Six Goswamis, O Sri Rupa Goswami, Sri Sanatana Goswami, Sri Raghunath Bhatti Goswami, Sri Gopalavati Goswami, Sri Jiva Goswami, and Sri Raghunath Das Goswami, O Lokanath Goswami, my beloved spiritual master, Narutam Das also prays for your mercy. O Srinivasacharya, successor of the Six Goswamis, Please be merciful to me. Naratam Das always desires the company of Ramachandra Chakravarti. This is it. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder, Rasa. All right. So back to the book. So just to recap a little bit, we've read chapter one, which is um, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu explaining to the devotees what will happen to the future of the bhakti movement after he's gone and he did something very mystical what was that rasa placed his love in the care of the padmavati river okay. so we've started uh with chapter one at uh, chapter two here and we're just going to learn a little bit about um Naratam das Thakur's childhood all right Childhood. Raj Krishnananda sat next to his brother Purushottam Dutt in the main room of the palace, surrounded by many servants. There are less than two months left until the Rathiyatra in Jagannath Puri, he announced. Soon, hundreds of pilgrims will pass through Katery on their way to the festival. It's our duty to receive them properly and make their stay in Katery as comfortable as possible. We must start preparing the accommodations and set up a, a kitchen to feed them all. Everything should be organized perfectly. No one should feel any inconvenience while they are here in catering. After assigning different responsibilities to the servants, Krishnananda said, there is no time to lose. We must begin work immediately. 
already some Vaishnava pilgrims have arrived. Tonight, one of them will give a discourse in the courtyard of the palace temple. Saying this, the king dismissed everyone and entered his private chambers. Looking out his window, Krishnananda noticed little Naratam playing in front of the palace with some village children. Naru, oh Naru, he called affectionately. Where are you going? Naratam waved happily. I'm going, Pita. I'm going to see the big river with my friends. What? You come back into the palace right now, Krishnananda ordered. Rushing outside, he swept Naratam up into his arms and hugged him tightly to his chest. Naru, you know you don't have to leave the palace for anything. Whatever you want, we will bring to you here. But Pita, I want to go to the river. No, I've told you many times, the rivers are dangerous for you. Seeing the hurt in his son's eyes, Krishnananda spoke more gently. Don't worry, Naru. I will have a pond dug next to the palace and fill it with water from the Padma. Then you can learn to swim with the guards watching you. Now run, run along inside and take, take your bath. Tonight we will listen to the sadhu speak. Nartam ran. Recap. Uh, um, the, there was a prediction, right? That Nartam shouldn't go to the river. Yes. The only bad thing in his chart the astrologers found. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Continue. No uh, Naratam ran obediently into the house and Krishnananda turned to the village children. Don't ever mention the river to Naratam again, he fumed. The children ran away and Krishnananda turned to the guards near the palace door. What is this nonsense? Why didn't you bring my son back inside? You know that he is absolutely forbidden to go to the river. Never ever let this happen again. That evening, many of Kethari's residents gathered in the palace courtyard and waited for the lecture to begin. When Krishnananda and Narayani came out with Nartam by their side, the villagers greeted their Rajan Rani respectfully, then turned their attention to the town's favorite son. Some called out affectionately, Oh, here is our Rajkumar Narutam. Come over and talk to your uncle. Many of the ladies hurried towards Narutam to play with him and pinch his cheeks. Everyone was captivated by Narutam's bright, handsome face. Accustomed to such pampering and coddling, Narutam simply smiled good-naturedly. As the lecture was about to begin, Krishnananda grabbed Narutam's hand, walked to the front of the courtyard, and took his seat directly in front of the speaker. Narutam sat beside him. Sit quietly, Nartam, and listen respectfully to the instructions of the sadhus, he whispered. Even if we don't understand much of what they say, we should still listen respectfully and try to receive their mercy. The speaker uttered auspicious prayers of invocation and began his lecture, explaining the importance of detachment from material pleasure. As a boy, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's follower, Sri Raghunath Das, lived like a prince. His father was a big landowner and earned over 200,000 gold coins a month. But Raghunath Das was so attracted to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's lotus feet that he had no interest whatsoever in his father's wealth. Eventually, he managed to run away from home and went to Puri. There he fell at the feet of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and surrendered his life to him. From that day on, Raghunath Das was totally absorbed in loving service to Mahaprabhu and never worried about how he, 
himself would be maintained. He ate only the few morsels of food he managed to beg from pilgrims passing the Simadwara gate. After some time, he even stopped begging and instead went to the drain where the refuse from the kitchen was thrown. Taking a handful of discarded rotting rice, he washed it off and made it his meal. Naratam listened, enthralled, his eyes wide open. He loved to hear about these wonderful devotees the sadhus described. His heart was filled with both awe and respect. I would like to be a great devotee like Raghunath Das, he thought. After the lecture, Krishnananda and his family went into their private rooms. Naratam, come sit next to me and have some sweet rice, Krishnananda said. But Pita, what is Raghunath Das eating? Do you think we should eat such opulent food? Raghunath simply begged his food at the Simadwara gate. Narayani laughed. Naru, do you think you have become a sadhu like Raghunath Das? <laughs> Clever child, Krishnananda chuckled. He listens nicely. Patting Naratam on the head, he said, you are a good boy, Naratam. If you learn to take guidance from sadhus and serve the Vaishnavas nicely, you will be a very good king when you grow up. Narayani filled silver bowls with sweet rice and Naratam and Krishnananda began to eat. After a few minutes, Naratam said, Pita, why don't we leave home? Ha, leave home? Why should we leave home? Everything is so nice here. No, Pita, Naratam said seriously. We should run away like Raghunath Das did. We can stay in a dharmshala. But make sure that your servant doesn't bring gold coins with him. Remember the story we heard about Sanata Goswami? His servant almost got them killed because he secretly brought gold coins. Amused by Char Naratam's childish talk, Krishnananda laughed again. Naru, stop fantasizing. We cannot imitate devotees like Raghunath Das. These are great souls. They are worshipable people. We can worship them, but we can never become like them. We have to perform our own duties to care for our citizens. Yes, Pita, Naratam said submissively. But he thought, yes, you cannot become like them, but I can, and I will. <laughs> All right, you want to carry on? Sure. I, I wanted to highlight a, a few things, if that's all right. Yeah, um, sure. What was this? Um, I really like this point, actually. If you learn to take guidance from sadhus and serve the Vaishnavas nicely, you will be a very good king when you grow up. Imagine if all the, the presidents around the world <laughs> <laughs> did this as children. It'd be a different world today. Very, very different. But why do you think it's important to take guidance from the sadhus and serve the Vaishnavas nicely? Well, I guess uh, the basic point is you start with some humility. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> as a leader, that's generally hard to come by. So if you're accepting that the fact that you are not omniscient and <laughs> you do need to take guidance from some people, some higher authority, whether or not you're believing in God, then it's definitely a step in the right direction. So <laughs> that's, yeah, exactly. you know, if you're not a devotee, at least there's like that basic principle of, to have some level of humility and like desire to serve others. Because as a leader, that's what you're doing, right? You're serving 
your country or community. At least that's what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> Instead of bragging about how much money you make. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's so true. What's and your the, thoughts on that? Um, I was just thinking about how um, Narada Muni served the, the, some Vaishnavas really nicely, isn't it? Mm. He... Um, spent the, the four months of Chaturmasya, which is sort of the rainy season in India, serving these, these four sages, these four sadhus, really nicely to the point where normally um, a sadhu wouldn't share their, their meal with someone, like if they had anything left on their plate, or normally they would have nothing left on their plate. <laughs> that's sort of the, the, like the culture to always eat everything that's on your plate. These sadhus, Something they, you learn in Gurukul, huh? Yeah, <laughs> we weren't allowed to get up and uh, just chuck it away. Um, but these sadhus like left a little remnants, and they're they're very kind to Narada Muni. And then he he only well, at least according to the story, he only became Narada Muni because of that. So he became an exemplary um, Vaishnava guru in in our lineage. Um, very interesting character, Narda. <laughs> yeah, I guess it always comes back to that accepting the, you know, your whatever it is, what like you were saying, creativity before, but you know, you can apply it to your Shakti or to be a ruler or whatever. Always accepting that it comes from a higher power and comes through you. So if you're serving devotees, then you are getting that mercy and you're also reminding yourself that that's where it comes from. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm reading this book called The Listening Path. And one of, the, one of the key things, this is a book about creativity. One of the key things is you need to get out of your own way. So if, if we think that we are the way, if we think that everything is coming from us, then that's sort of like a crucial problematic thing in, a, in our creative endeavor. Uh, but when we step out and we stop putting so much pressure on ourselves, then we're open to, to listen. We can listen to the Vaishnavas, we can listen to the things around us and um, develop a beautiful offering um, like Nartam did um, yeah. in the song that we sang earlier. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to highlight was that it's it's very easy for some, you know, we can listen to something, a nice story and forget, get, forget about it the next day but Nartam, he immediately started to apply these stories and share them with his father. Oh, make sure we don't bring too many gold coins. Yeah. So I really And I, I always love this, just like this last uh, paragraph there that uh, my aunt put in. I, I'm not sure like where she was referencing that from, but I was, even as a kid, I really like that somehow that line always like stuck in my head that, you know, he, his father tells him you know like just you know chill out and <laughs> you know we're we're doing what we do that he does what they do and we respect it but you know we are not like that and but Naratam is just thinking to himself well I can be like that you know and a lot of the times I think we sometimes in spiritual life you get stuck thinking oh yes but you know that so-and-so is you know such a great devotee I'll I won't be like that so I'll just not try or, you know, I'll, I'll sit back and do my thing, my peaceful thing, which is easy for me, and I can admire them, but I'm never going to be like that. 
But actually, the point is that we do want to be like that. We all want to become pure devotees. And, you know, I think sometimes as a Gurukuli, you know, being a, a PD is like always looked down on, you know? Oh, you're such a pure devotee. But it's like, well, that's the point. <laughs> we want to become pure devotees. And sometimes it gets buried under layers of like trying to be like humble or trying to, you know, fit in with what's going on. But actually, yes, like we want to look at these like great devotees and we know, sure, maybe we're like light years away from being like that. But the point is that we want to be like that. Like we want to make that effort. So like I just found it amazing that Naratam, even when he's your child, he was just thinking, yes, maybe you can't be like that if, you know, you have that attitude, but I can and I'm going to do it, you know? And you see, like, how his determination started, like, from such a young age. Anyway, that's just, like, that bit <laughs> I was stuck in my head even when I was here to hear. I, I like the point that um, you mentioned about, the, you know, like, the pure devotee syndrome. <laughs> because... Um, I think oftentimes we have a misconception of what a pure devotee is. We think mm -hmm. that a pure devotee is wearing your chatter in a certain way <laughs> or chanting a certain amount of rounds or, you know, not, um, not having a heart to heart conversation with someone. It's normally like people with the pure devotee syndrome are quite cold. You like never see them, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you never hang out or anything like that. But um, we see from Naratam Das Thakur's example that to be a pure devotee is to be authentic, to be honest. And we see that in his songs. He was, you know, whether he was sing. actually, we know that he was really feeling that, but also it was an instruction to us. But he genuinely says, you know, I've been wasting my life. You know, I've done this, this, and this. Why haven't I taken advantage? So that's that's a little bit more what a pure devotee looks like. A pure heart is like not putting yourself on a on a pedestal and thinking yourself yeah. above <laughs> everyone. <laughs> um, Padma, I I wanted to hear from you. I um sorry to put you on the spot, but I know that you've um, recently spent some time with. Uh, the Vaishnavs serving them, cooking for them. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention. Am I allowed to mention this? <laughs> Depends on what you're gonna ask. <laughs> <laughs> What's um, just just on this point again? This this previous point. Uh, why is it so important to where are we? To serve the Vaishnavas nicely and take guidance from the sadhus? Uh, <laughs> I noticed the most when I came back to Radhadesh and everyone noticed that I was completely changed. Most of them were talking about physical change and I didn't notice anything. But they say, oh, you're so different from Akshi. What happened to you? And just spent two months serving Maharaj. And um, I think internally, probably something changed. I just don't know exactly what. I was not paying so much attention because, well, I don't know. I was not paying so much attention to it. But <laughs> it, it does change you. It does change. There's a big transformation just by associating with him and serving him. I think that's part of, a big part of the process, right? 
Mm. And, uh, yeah, just listen to him chanting and, and to his lectures and serving him was, was a big transformation. Maharaj was always saying that, that getting out of our comfort zone, he felt that I was getting out of my comfort zone by serving him. For me, it was pure sense enjoyment. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he says that we grow up when we get out of a comfort zone. So he was mentioning that all the time and being grateful for, for me to, yeah, to get out of my comfort zone. Although, like I said, for me, it was really, really nice, really pleasure to serve him and be next to him. I don't have much more to, to say about it. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that point, Padma. I was just thinking about a little analogy to go along with what you said, mm. um, especially for, for those li living in, in places like England or Germany, where there's not much sun, and then you go to holiday, maybe to Spain or Portugal, <laughs> and then you slowly start to get a tan, but you don't notice it because you're there every day and it's sort of like a gradual thing. But as soon as you come back home, people are like, oh, wow, you look completely different. Looks yeah, like you've yeah, had yeah. some sun in your life. <laughs> yeah. um, so similarly, by being in the association of, of a saintly person, then we see that that sun is in our life. And it, even though we may not notice it, others will definitely do. And I think the same is true for having bad association. Um, you can have that sort of bad association and come back and everyone's like, oh, what happened to you? <laughs> okay, so that was- Thank you. Uh, no, thank you, Padma. Thank you for sharing that. Um, okay, so let's continue. Uh, Hari Naru, this, oh, this is so nice. <laughs> I, I have a few friends named uh, Nartam and we used to call them Naru as kids as well. So that's cool. Hurry, <laughs> um, Naru, Narayani called. Narayani is uh, Narutam's mother. Everyone is waiting. You mustn't be late for your first day of school. Grabbing her son's hand, Narayani hurried with Narutam down the steps and into the room in the palace that had been set up as a classroom. I guess he was a uh, homeschooled. Krishnananda and many pundits and friends were waiting there, and they greeted Nartam happily when he arrived. Come over here, Nartam, Krishnananda said. Kneeling, he wrapped his arm around his son's waist. Just see what elaborate arrangements I have made for you, Naru. He said proudly, I have brought the greatest teachers from far and wide to ensure that you receive the best education possible. Now sit here, one of your teachers will show you how to write the letters of the Sanskrit alphabet. Then the pundits will offer some prayers and perform a yagya to create an auspicious beginning for your education. Bright-eyed and innocent, Naratam dutifully sat down to begin his education. Turn it to Turning to the pundits, Krishnananda instructed, I don't want my son to feel any anxiety or misery. He should simply study and become well-educated. That will make him fully qualified to care for all the property here and to serve the people of Katuri. 
when I no longer can. I was thinking about um, uh, when I was studying in Gurukul, we had um, a yagya every time, well, every uh, beginning of the year, which for us was in, in September, like most schools. And we usually did it on Vishwarup Mahotsav. And uh, there's, there's a very special verse that we chant at the beginning of every class in, in, in the Gurukul. Um, let's see if I can find it. Do you, do you know which one I'm talking about, Rasa? Um, maybe. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, yeah, go for it. <laughs> it's a trivia question. <laughs> I'm just trying to find it online to see if I can get the right. Um, I'm ah, just trying go. to think about what you guys say at the beginning of class, but I don't think I. Beginning of every class, beginning of every yagya. Um, let's see. How do I start? Oh, there we go. Uh, new share. So I don't know if this translation is accurate, but um, th this is a little mantra that we used to chat. Uh, okay. Om Sahanav Avatu, Sahanav Bunaktu, Sahavir Yang Karavabahai, Tejasvi Navadi Tamastumavitvishavahai, Om Shanti Shanti Shanti. I'm going to ask you to read the translation. Uh, Padmakshi. Om. May he protect us both together. May he nourish us both together. May we work conjointly with great energy. May our study be, be vigorous and effective. May we not mutually dispute or may we not hate any. Om. Let there be peace in me. Let there be peace in my environment. Let me be. Let there be peace in the forces that act on me. So potentially, this was a verse chanted by Narutam Das Thakur's teachers. We don't know, but it's um, it's definitely one that we had in our childhood. Um, okay. So over the next few years, Naratam listened dutifully as his teachers taught. He quickly mastered Sanskrit, logic, and rhetoric. So logic it was a, a very important part of the philosophy system in India, uh, also known as Nyaya. And it's also something that Lord Chaitanya specifically uh, studied and also taught um, before he became Sri Chaitanya um, when he was little Nimai Pandit. <laughs> um, okay, so they marveled at his brilliance, especially his sharp memory and peaceful, submissive attitude towards his teachers. Yet Naratam's heart was not in his studies. He wanted to learn more about spiritual topics. That's that's something I can relate with. <laughs> Although I I was like like to point out at this point, you know, even though his heart wasn't in it, he still 
studied diligently and was a good student, you know, even though he was more interested in the spiritual side of things, he still did his duty like he was what he was supposed to do, you know? Because <laughs> a lot of times, you know, we, we like to use that as an excuse. Oh, you know, like, I'd rather be doing this or studying that and use it as an, like some an excuse to neglect, you know, the duty that you have at that moment, you know? <laughs> But you see, even he's a young, young child here and he still knows that he has to, you know, do the basic, you know, worldly thing, yet even though he's still like more interested in the spiritual aspect of things. Yeah, that's a little motivation for the kids out there or even for us as we might be studying something on the side. Um, you know, we may just want to be with the devotees, hear the, hear the stories, be in kirtan but it's equally important to study, to read. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> hmm. closing his grammar book one day, he offered obeisances to his teacher and hurried up the steps to his room. There's so much to unpack here. Every sentence has, has a little something, but we'll try to read more, but I just wanted to highlight that offered obeisances to his teacher i think um the, the vedic or the bhakti tradition talks about the more respect you have for something or someone the more you'll be able to to learn and educate yourself um so that's that's a good practice uh kids in india at least back in the day they they used to touch their their parents feet every morning as a sign of respect and equally to, to the teachers. Um, peering out an open window, he looked out over the village. His eyes fell on a group of pilgrims walking toward the large pavilion his father had erected to accommodate sadhus passing through Katuri. Those Vaishnavas must be returning from Jagannath Puri, he thought. Intrigued, he watched them carefully. So for, the, for those of you that don't know, Jagannath Puri is a very special place in Orissa. And uh, when Sri Chaitanya took sannyas, his mother, Sachimata, asked him to move to Jagannath Puri so that he wouldn't be too far away from the devotees in, in Bengal. So that became sort of like a spiritual hub where devotees constantly traveled back and forth from Bengal and Jagannath Puri and um, sort of rejuvenating, um, you know, people's Christian consciousness on a day-to-day -day basis. Am I, am I right to say that, Rasa? Yeah, yeah, of course. Hundreds of pilgrims filled into the pavilion, each searching for a place to lay his or her belongings, the kusha mats each pilgrim traveled with. The place bustled with activity and the pilgrims were talking excitedly amongst themselves as scores of servants scurried around, tending to their needs. In the kitchen area, Naratam saw fires ablaze and dozens of cooks steering the contents of gigantic pots. Returning his gaze to the pilgrims, Naratam began to study their faces. They were glowing with happiness. I want to understand their joy, Naratam thought. What did they see in Jagannath Puri that made them so wonderfully effulgent? Again, uh, to Padmakshi's point about coming back from, 
from the, the sunny effulgence of, of spiritual sangha, uh, spiritual association. Turning away from the window, Nartam ran to one of the servants at the palace door and tugged at his sleeve. Please take me outside. I want to get a closer look at the pilgrims. I'm not sure if your father, please, Nartam pleaded sweetly. Well, I guess, well, I get that's, that's the key here, sweetly, if you want to get. <laughs> well, I guess it can't do you any harm, the servant said. He took Naratam by the hand, and the two of them wandered through the village, observing the pilgrims. Now, now that I think of it, Rasa wasn't so into doing this book club, but I pleaded sweetly. <laughs> yes, you were very persuasive. <laughs> From that day onward, whenever Naratam had spare time, he would ask a servant to accompany him so that he would go out and mingle with the pilgrims and listen to their discussions. One day he noticed a very old man addressing the crowd. The man's eyes were bright and clear and his speech so sweet that Naratam was immediately drawn to him. Naratam remembered seeing the same sadhu talking to his father at the palace. Naratam whispered to his servant escort, who is that man? Oh, the servant said with surprise, don't you know? That's Krishnadas Babaji. He was a personal associate of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He is living in Katurina. Naratam moved into the crowd and sat down to listen. When Krishnadas finished, Naratam walked up to him and asked shyly, please tell me more, or please tell me about Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. A broad grin spread across the old Brahmana's face. O Rajkumar, which means prince, O oh, Rajkumar Naratam, you have asked a very nice question. But my dear boy, even if I spoke for a thousand years with a thousand tongues, I could never properly describe the glories of Mahaprabhu. Still, I will happily tell you about what I know about him. Krishnas caught hold of Naratam's hand and pulled him down next to him. His eyes sparkled as he began to speak. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared in Nadia as the son of Sachimata and Jagannath Mishra. Though acting like an ordinary child, he is actually the Supreme Personality of Godhead who came to earth to teach us how to develop love for God. That's an interesting concept right there. God teaching us how to develop love. <laughs> Naratam's eyes widened. The Supreme Lord? He interrupted excitedly. He is here in this world? Is he in Nadia or Jagannath Puri? Krishnadas heavied a deep sigh. No, my boy, I'm sorry to say that he is not in Nadia or Puri. Well, where is he then? Can I see him? Krishnadas fell silent and tears welled in his eyes. Son, he said gravely, you can see Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu only with the eyes of devotion now. 
because unfortunately he no longer walks amongst us in this mortal world. Naratam could hardly believe his ears. What? He's gone? But I've heard from pilgrims passing through Katuri speak of the golden avatar named Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Krishna said sadly, for years, Mahaprabhu's devotees visited him in Puri around the Rathyatra festival. But those days of ecstatic dancing with the Lord are gone. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is no longer there. He has returned to his supreme abode. Nartam's face paled as he tried to grapple with the tragic news. You mean the Lord was here just a little while ago and now I'll never be able to see him again? Young Nartam was devastated. Oh, why wasn't I born a few years earlier? He cried. How could I be so unfortunate? So I'm just remembering there was a little um, glorification of uh, a, a saintly person, Aindra Prabhu, the other day on uh, Namras's late morning program. And I remember, um, I think Namras or Amal, one, one of the guys there was, was explaining how there were so many people lamenting that they grew up listening to Aindra Prabhu's kirtans. Uh, but they never got, got an opportunity to uh, spend some time with him and serve in his kirtan. And sort of the, the message or my takeaway from that um, conversation was that there are some great personalities amongst us. And even though it's um, difficult to travel or, or spend time with anyone right now, um, as soon as things get back to normal, I think it's it's quite crucial to pick someone that you really like, someone that really inspires you and uh, spend some time with them because, yeah, time is limited and anything can happen. And I'm so happy for Padmakshi taking advantage of that as well, just to, to cook for his spiritual teacher. So well done, Padma. <laughs> Any, anything you want to share on that, uh, Rasa? I, I agree. Um, we way too often see it happen that people only appreciate, you know, their opportunities when they've missed them. <laughs> you know, after someone's left the world, that's when you hear everyone talk about how they wish they'd spend more time with them or how they are just now realized, you know, what a great person <laughs> they were or whatever. But, you know, it's not very often that you see that happen when people are alive. And I think it's one of the saddest things is that people don't actually realize what they have when they have it. It's definitely something that we need to take advantage of. I, I also, like, when I was a kid, spent a lot of time thinking, oh, I just missed out on Prabhupada being on the planet. <laughs> I was just born just a little bit too late. And I feel feeling the same way that Naruto was. And as I grew older and I... I got to spend many, many years uh, around all of our like ISKCON leaders, uh, sannyasis, and everybody. I, I realized that actually, though, I've still, I still got that same, well, maybe not exactly the same, but you know, <laughs> close enough that association that a lot of people, you know, didn't 
won't get in the future and I you know I try to like I try to appreciate that more instead of focusing on the fact that I just missed out on Prabhupada's pastimes in the planet you know yeah I'm just thinking about how you've really taken this seriously in in a way because you know you could have gone to university got a normal job in in the rat race like most of us <laughs> but you're like you know what i i want to spend the rest of my life with my guru i want to travel and and kudos well done <laughs> yeah i i was just i was just appreciating that actually um because last year around uh, this time i got asked to go on a pre preaching program with my guru Marge, uh, that would happen at in March, which was unusual. We don't usually do something in March. And March for me is the one time of year I like I was really like attached to being in my where I wanted to go nobody on the parikram and Gorpanima here. And it was like I my instant reaction was no, I don't want to go and do this, you know? <laughs> and then I, I thought about it and I did some praying and I agreed to go and I went. And then I was so happy when I was there that I went. And then obviously, you know, as soon as you know our program finished, there was this lockdown, and I was just thinking, wow, you know, like thank the Lord that He gave me the inspiration to, you know, to give that little bit of surrender and go and do that. Because if I didn't, like, who knows when the next time I would have been able to spend that time with my spiritual master, and you know, so it's, yeah, even though like I have spent most of my life and my years like doing those things spending time with my spiritual master i still end up taking it for granted you know so like to the point where even then i was thinking nah maybe i won't go for this one <laughs> but somehow krishna saved me from that foolishness and i have these amazing memories now that i got me through that lockdown and all this last crazy year that we've had yeah I, something similar happened to me and and i'm reminded of this saying i'm not sure where it comes from but it goes something like this life doesn't happen to you it happens for you and sometimes we get these little opportunities where we're invited to go somewhere and it's so easy to just say no i'm i'm happy to be comfortable where i am i'm happy to continue being a my for girl Navadrik Manoparikram, like you said, just just the regular thing that I do every year. Um, it's it's kind of hard to like get out of like our habitual practice. But um I, I was thinking the same thing. I got invited by some dear friends, uh, Sundari and Madhva, to go on a, a little retreat in Spain. And I could have easily said, uh, you know, I'm I don't want to take time off work. I don't. I don't want to, um, you know, spend some time, you know, uh, going to an unexpected place and not knowing what's going to happen, etc. But I did. I like. I sort of joyfully went and I met this um, beautiful family from the Lake District, and that's why I'm living in the Lake District today, just because of saying yes to to one phone call. So it's yeah, it's really incredible what can happen. When, when we just open ourselves a little bit to, to what life is offering us. Um, all right, Rasa, if you would like to 
continue reading. Um, placing a hand on Narutam's shoulder, Krishnadas said softly, don't worry, Narutam, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu lives in the hearts of his devotees. He can appear to them as he likes. And simply by hearing about his pastimes and associating, one can feel his presence. Tears welled in Narutam's eyes as he sat lost in thought. He was deeply disappointed, yet the calming words of Krishnadath soothed his burning heart. After some time, he resolved to shake off his despondency. Wiping his eyes, he looked hopefully at Krishnadath and with a quivering voice asked, Well, then could you tell me more? I want to know everything there is to know about Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his devotees. Narutam's eager inquiries tumbled out one after another. Where did he live? What did he look like? What did he teach his devotees? A smile lit Krishnadasa's face and he began to answer Narutam's questions. He spoke at length of Mahaprabhu's leelas, but the boy's thirst appeared unquenchable. Finally, late in the afternoon, Krishnadas said, Hold on, my son. The glories of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu are fathomless and unlimited. You cannot learn everything in a day. Don't worry. I'll come to see you at the palace tomorrow, and we can continue our discussion. I have much more to tell you. Krishnadas was intrigued and enchanted by Narutam's sincere desire to hear about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates. Thus, he began to visit the palace every afternoon to share his spiritual wisdom with Narutam and anyone else who was interested to listen. Each day after finishing his studies, Narutam waited impatiently for Krishnadas to come. Whenever he finally uh, did arrive, Narutam would rush to sit at his feet, ready to hear the exciting narrations about the great saints. Sometimes relatives or palace staff would sit to listen for a while but Narutam was always riveted and would not move. However long Krishnadas would speak, Narutam could listen without becoming tired or distracted. Enthused by the boy's eagerness, Krishnadas said much, describing not only the life of Sri Chaitanya, but the lives of his greatest devotees, Nityananda Prabhu, Sri Gadadhar, Sri Pandit, Swarup Damodar, Rupa Goswami, Sanatan Goswami, and Haridas Thakur. Today, Krishnadas said, I will tell you about a very special devotee, one who is the embodiment of humility and renunciation. His name is Lokanath Goswami. Narutam's attention was riveted on the nectar flowing from Krishnadas's mouth. When he was a young man, Krishnadas began, Lokanath decided to renounce worldly life, so he set out for Navadip with the hope of living in the sweet company of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. On reaching Mahaprabhu's home, he saw the Lord sitting outside, surrounded by Murari, Gadadhar, Srivas, and other devotees. Overcome with love, Lokanath fell prostrate at the Lord's feet. The Lord, too, was filled with delight at the sight of Lokanath. Lokanath, you have come, he said, his voice choked with emotion. Mahaprabhu then lifted Lokanath from the ground and embraced him tightly to his chest. After they had spent the afternoon together, Mahaprabhu told Lokanath, you must be tired after your long walk here. Go and rest. 
Come again tomorrow morning and I will open my heart to you. Krishna has kindly sent you to me to fulfill a great task. Lokanath was tired, but that night he was unable to sleep. The Lord's words continued to ring in his ears. Krishna has kindly sent you to me to fulfill a great task. He could hardly bear the suspense. What could that task be? The next morning, he went to see Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The Lord embraced him lovingly and said, Lokanath, you are very fortunate. Krishna has chosen you for a task which is dear to him. The sacred land of Lord Krishna's loving pastimes, Sri Vrindavan, is now a deserted forest. I want you to go to that holy dam and reclaim the holy places associated with Krishna's Leela. You should devote yourself to this great service. There is no need for you to stay here in Navarup. Lokanath was stunned. Hot tears sprang from his eyes and he felt faint. Desperately, he begged with folded hands. Prabhu, I renounced the world and came here to drink the nectar of your association. I plan to spend the rest of my life with you. Now you are sending me away? Why are you being so cruel to me? What offense have I committed to receive such punishment? How can I live without you? You are the life of my life. No, Lokanath, this is not punishment, the Lord said. I am giving you the rare privilege of serving the transcendental land of Vrindavan. Don't you know how dear Vrindavan is to Krishna? He is not pleased so much by his own service as by the service to his dam. Vrindavan is my heart and soul. By sending you there, I am keeping you close to my heart. Lokanath's voice shook. Please, Prabhu, don't trick me like this. Haven't you the slightest place in your heart for me? If so, why are you pushing me away as soon as I have come? Lokanath, the Lord said softly, I am not kicking you away. I am sending you to Vrindavan. We're staying even one day enables a person to attain the highest goal of life, Krishna Prema. Falling at Mahaprabhu's feet, Lokanath cried, Prabhu, I have no desire to attain anything except your lotus feet. Placing his hand gently on Lokanath's head, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu lovingly replied, Just try to understand the importance of the work I want you to do. Krishna manifested Sri Vrindavan, his spiritual abode, on earth for the benefit of all souls. But Vrindavan's beauty and grandeur have become covered. I want you to rediscover and revive Vrindavan so it will be accessible to everyone. If you want to make me happy, start this work immediately. Remember, Lord Krishna said that all devotees are dear to him, but those who try to help others attain him are the most dear. Lokanath contemplated the Lord's words. Nothing Mahaprabhu had said about Vrindavan and its importance had persuaded him to leave the Lord's company. But his last point had struck a chord. There was only one thing that could encourage Lokanath to leave Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and that was the happiness of Mahaprabhu himself. With the realization that his actions could make the Lord happy, Lokanath surrendered to the Lord's wishes. He understood that pleasing Sri Chaitanya by serving his preaching mission was more important than having the Lord's personal association. Narutam grasped 
gasped and interrupted Krishna uh, Krishnadas's narration. But how could he leave Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's personal association? It must have been so difficult. Did he ever see the Lord again? Well, Krishnadas said, yes and no. When Lokanath left Nadia, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu promised he would meet him in Vrindavan. But after Lokanath and Bhugarbha, Raj Krishnananda stood quietly in one corner of the room observing the aged sadhu and his beloved son deep in conversation. The king's brow knitted with concern. Naratam is spending too much time listening to these stories, he thought. I must put a stop to it, but I don't want to offend the great soul, Sri Krishnadas. Krishnananda called out gently, All right, Naratam, it is getting late. Your mother has prasad ready for you. His reverie broken, Naratam looked up. Oh, Pita, is it late already? But Babaji Maharaj was telling me the most wonderful story. That's nice, Naru, but it is late. Go find your mother. Krishnadas chuckled. Run along, Naratam. I will tell you more stories tomorrow. With regret, Naratam offered his humble obeisances to Krishnadas and then hurried from the room, his mind racing as he remembered all that he had just heard. You're a mute, Balram. <laughs> Classic. Srila Naratam Das Thakur Ki. Jai. So we have two special announcements. Um, the first is that uh, Rasa's mother, the author of this book, will be joining us next uh, session, which is on Thursday at 10 a.m. GMT, 3.30 Indian time, 5 a.m. American time or Eastern time. <laughs> and uh, what time is it in Radhadesh, Padma? <laughs> 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock. So um, 12 o'clock for those in Belgium. <laughs> Mother Sitala will be joining us. And uh, yeah, we, we've, we have some interesting questions lined up. Um, we hope that you can join us for that. Thank you, Yuvraj. Thank you, Bandan. Thank you, Padma, for being with us. And the other announcement is that the week after, uh, this, this coming week, um, unfortunately, I have some things to do, including going to the airport. So we'll, we'll take a one week break from the book club and then resume on the first, um, I think it's the first Tuesday of February, isn't it? That will be on the 2nd of February. 2nd of February. There we go. Thank you, Rasa. Thank you all so much. See you on Thursday. <laughs>